With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. Uh, our number two of Lockdown Loaded. Are you enjoying yourselves? Are you being entertained out there? Leave me a message in the live chat and you better say yes rick otherwise i might go nuclear on your asses no of course i won't i only do that with some people and it only happens once in a blue moon but you know we all have our ups and downs some of us have good days some of us have bad days and sometimes you can just say the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time and but you know what we're only humans and that's how we roll uh we all make mistakes uh but anyway uh tnt today's news talk locked and loaded thursday the 22nd of february action-packed r another sorry action-packed r coming up uh jem is going to be joining me very shortly also raja mia will be joining me for the first time as well independent uh, electoral candidate and oldham activist uh all-around good guy talking to him for the first time at around about 20 past and then the one and only ben Pyle will be hopping on talking all things climate Ulez and anti-government uh, towards the end of the show. So all that's still to come. TNT have a website, tntradio.live. Check it out. Merchandise can be bought and worn. Be a walking billboard for TNT. You don't like our baseball cap? Buy a hoodie. You don't like our hoodie? Buy a t-shirt. You don't like our t-shirts? Buy a sticker. You don't like our stickers? Buy a mouse mat. You don't like our mouse mat? Well, then piss off somewhere else because you're very difficult to please. There's got to be something in there for someone, even the moaners and the groaners. We like to accommodate everybody in every way, shape, or form. So you've got no excuses not to support TNT. And of course, we're in a war at the minute and the coffers need to be kept top up. So that happens in lots of different ways. But you can also play your part in that if you feel substantially moved. Uh, there's a little donate button on there. You can chuck a pound or two, a shekel or two, a groat or two, a sixpence or two into the TNT War Fund, and it will be greatly appreciated. And I promise you, I don't get a cut of it in any way, shape, or form. No, that doesn't filter down to poor old Rick Munn. Uh, anyway, it helps the war effort. And as I'm sure you can see, We've been expanding like crazy over the last two years, especially the last six months with the shift to video. And even this week, uh, a mighty, mighty successful uh, outside broadcast was done in London. And there will be more of those to come of that, I can assure you. So, uh, yeah, I, I was going to talk about the Archbishop of Canterbury, but I'd rather talk to Gemma Cooper. So I'm going to usher her in to uh, take the stand and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help her God in just a split second here on TNT, today's news talk. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Justin Welby, uh, he's in my head now and I have to exercise this, Gemma, so uh, I'm going to do it with you. Justin Welby, the so-called Archbishop of Canterbury, an obnoxious, miserable, rancid little rat, uh, if ever I saw one, World Economic Forum puppet. He's a scrawny little guy. He usually walks around with a big cross 
hanging around his scrawny little neck. There's a there's a line in the not, not even gonna go there, but he, <laughs> he said this week, uh, Archbishop of Canterbury cancelled plans to meet a Bethlehem-based pastor called Munther Isaac, saying he couldn't meet with him if he shared a platform with the former leader, Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn at a pro-Palestinian rally. Whatever happened to eating and drinking with publicans and sinners, Jesus-style, reaching out to those that are lost? Surely the Archbishop should be extending one of his little paws out to this Bethlehem pastor instead of shunning him? That's not very Christ-like, is it? Well, I think the old Archbishop of Canterbury in the form of Justin Welby, he's got form because before he became uh, Archbishop of Canterbury or entered into the church as his preferred way of making a living, I think he was in the oil industry and I think he was pretty high up. And also he's been a, quite a significant advocate for the old big farmer. Not only did he push the jabs, saying that's what Jesus would have done. All right, okay. Uh, the hotline to Jesus there. Um, also, he has uh, been a huge um, advocate of antidepressants. He says he's been on antidepressants for the last 14 years of his life. Mm. He says they've saved his life. Now, call me uh, cynical on this, and I don't like to be mm. too cynical. I do like to adopt a kind of like positive approach to the world. But if the love of God cannot cure mm. the Archbishop of Canterbury of depression, uh, a big farmer should not be the place to turn. You know, that is really a really dangerous abuse, I think, of his power uh, of saying, you know, I am the Archbishop and I, I am the kind of authority here and I'm advocating pharmaceuticals for depression, which many say is a spiritual illness in many aspects. Um, you know, that should have been the last resort of somebody with a faith base. That's my opinion. That's my personal opinion on that. There are so many aspects to depression and his go-to cure was Big Pharma. So yeah, he's he's really his actions speak louder than words. The acts, the facts there, and what you've just outlined, very little to do with spirit, spirituality, faith, the Bible, Jesus, all of that. Mm -hmm. His teachings, they seem to be nowhere to be seen. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing on this one. Uh, believe it or not, the Bible is full of people with depression, okay? Depression was a very common thing back in the day, even in the Bible. David, uh, who was a man after God's own heart, suffered with depression. Moses suffered from depression. The prophet Elijah suffered from depression. Uh, you know, they all got down. John the Baptist was depressed when he was put in prison just before he was about to be beheaded. So many people suffered with depression. The apostle Paul was another one. But the Bible also says, my grace is sufficient for you, God grace is sufficient. So we all have crosses to bear. And people that don't get depression maybe suffer in other areas, and people that are in good health maybe have mental health issues. But the bottom line is it would have been a good platform for him to direct people to the author and finisher of his faith, allegedly, Jesus Christ. But instead, he directs them towards Big Pharma, like the oily oil man and WEF cockroach that he actually is. Oh, I would love to get Justin Welby on the show. I would tear him a new one. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Justin, if you're listening in, please come on the show and let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about faith. Let's have it out on her if you're man enough. But I don't think he's going to accept that challenge to you. You never know. You could be a miracle. Could be a miracle there, Rick. Could be a miracle. On, Gemma. I would love to get him on. I'd love to get him on for an hour that he can't escape and he has to answer all my questions. I'm banging on the table there. My microphone's shaking. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the news. Uh, what, what have you got this hour? Several little uh, updates plus uh, further spreading of activism uh, within the farming movement. Uh, what's on the table here this morning? 
Well, do you remember yesterday we talked about the Indian farmers resuming their protest, their march towards the capital, Delhi? We talked about that. They they'd had, a, had a break of a week and yesterday they were marching again. Well, they did start marching yesterday and um, there's been quite a few clashes with police as a result of the marches yesterday. Um, the, the authorities are absolutely terrified of them returning to the capital and staging a sit-in after a very successful sit-in in 2020 where the government had to back down on agricultural reforms and they're terrified it's going to happen again and they will have to agree a minimum crop price. So yesterday the police were doing all they could. They fired tear gas into the crowd. Uh, the farmers were having to use masks and gloves. Um, but a 22-year-old man has died as a result of those clashes. Um, the farmers say he, he died in police action. The police are denying that. Uh, they're saying no farmer has died as a result of police action. They say the word no farmer has died, uh, but there were lots of protesters there. But the 22-year-old the did die. It has been confirmed by the Punjab health minister uh, of a bullet wound to the head. So clearly he's been shot dead. Mm -hmm. um, there are also f uh, 13 people in hospital on the Punjab border being treated for injuries. And the farmers have now uh, said, we will just do a sit-in protest. We don't want violence. We don't want violence. Uh, the mm -hmm. government has offered them a fifth round of talks now as a result of the clashes yesterday. And apparently within the crowd, the farmers were talking to the police and saying, look, you're our brethren. You should be with us. You should be standing with us. You're one of us. You're, you're, we are all together in this against the government. So they, they were calling them brethren and saying, stand with us, stand with mm -hmm. us. And they've been very clear. They don't want violence. They just want to get to the capital uh, and say to the government, we need minimum crop prices. Otherwise, we can't do it. Simply as simple as that. But what is interesting, as you say, there are other updates from Europe of, of, of what was happening in other capital cities yesterday. In Greece, the farmers had been converging there in, in Athens, uh, protesting about rising fuel and production costs. 8,000 farmers were in Athens over the last two days, staging a sit-in and an overnight sleepover outside government buildings. Everyone from beekeepers to livestock breeders to, um, to agricultural farmers, uh, again, tax, red tape, costs and rules. Um, and in Madrid yesterday, we had a huge convoy of tractors descending on the capital with farmers wearing yellow vests, uh, ringing cowbells, playing music. They brought traffic to a complete standstill in Madrid, the Spanish capital. A few scuffles with the police, but nothing like the Indian farmers saw. And there were animals there as well. One farmer led his cow through uh, in the protest and another drove a cart uh, led by two oxen. And the cart was full of fake euro, 500 euro notes as a way of saying, look, this is complete waste of money now. And also 500 euros is what a lot of farmers are taking home per month right across the EU. So this farmers protest, I would wager looking at this, these farmers protests have been going on for so long now across Europe. The Indians have resumed. It is one of the biggest stories in the world a collective global effort standing up against, mm -hmm. again, global policies. Um, shame that somebody's had to die on the on the Punjab border there as the, the Indian farmers resume protests, but they're having a sit-in now. I th they want a peaceful solution. I think all of the farmers want a peaceful solution. They're just desperate worldwide. They are. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we were talking, I was talking with Stephen Kelly, you know, reflecting on the last two years. You know, he lost his job because of uh, vaccine mandates, uh, but he's seen a real galvanization of the so called, you know, freedom movement or the truth movement. I know some people don't like that term. So I'm not mad keen on it myself. But when you use that expression, you know, people know what you're actually referring to. Uh, there has been a lot of ground made. And these, these particular protests, Gemma, uh, what set them apart from the ones that have come on before that we did have have the Dutch farmers last year, but they were pretty much operating alone. It was just uh, happening in the with the Dutch farmers last year. Two years ago, we had the you know the Ottawa Freedom Convoy going to Canada. 
I know there was other spin-off uh, convoys that happened after that, but at this point in time, you know, you've got France, you've got Germany, you've got India, you've got uh, Wales, you've got Ireland, you've got uh, different parts of Europe are all coming together at the same time and raising up these farmers in solidarity. And I think that's what sets this apart. It's not just the fact that they're huge uh, protests, but they're happening in solidarity. The farmers are in solidarity with each other across the world. And it's not just Europe and it's not just one part. This is spreading into India as well. So it seems to be catching hold. Absolutely. And and the UK farmers that were out in protest on, on the port of Dover uh, would be two weeks tomorrow that they turned out in Dover. Now, UK farmers are not renowned for their radicalism. It takes a lot to get a UK farmer, you know, out on his tractor protesting. But they did say, direct quote, that they've been galvanized by their European counterparts. They saw what was happening in Europe and they thought, right, we're going to get together and we're going to do it. And I, I wager that'll be the first of many in the UK now as, as, as laws are tightened here and policy has changed here to incentivize incentivize farmers not to farm. People are being paid to give up their land for development, for all kinds of things, anything except growing and producing food. Um, and they can see what's coming and they can see the strength of feeling. And they did say, we had a look at France, we had a look at Germany, we had a look at the whole of Europe and we thought we're going to do it. So yeah, it's it's the ripple effect, isn't it? It's the 100th monkey, if you want to call it that. But whatever mm. it is, it ain't going away. No, it's not. It's not. And, you know, some people, you know, are they don't understand if, you know, people are, well, why are they getting so upset? You know, with people that aren't clued in, well, why are they getting so, why are they out in their tractors? They don't understand that if the if it goes badly for the farmers, that it will go badly for consumers of the farmers' produce, which is everybody on earth. There's nobody around that, you know, unless you're growing your own food on an allotment, then you're completely self-sufficient. And there aren't too many people like that. You and I are dependent on those farmers to eat. Uh, if we're blessed three meals a day, uh, you know, it's sometimes you don't get the three meals a day. But what I mean is there's a lot riding on the back of this. So irrespective of what your politics are, irrespective of whether or not you agree with, uh, you know, nitrogen emission targets or you're a greenie or not, everybody needs these farmers, whether they like it or not. Absolutely. And I think more and more people are realizing that and realizing that, that this is a creeping insidious globalist stealth towards the control of food production globally. Isn't it funny that the policies in every single country are the same? It's about prices, you know, that, that the Indian farmers are negotiating for minimum crop prices. European farmers are protesting because they're not getting enough yield prices for, for what they're producing. They can't match the cost. Isn't it funny how whichever nation you're in, whatever government is in, whatever the culture, the policies, whether you're a developing nation, a so-called first world nation, that, that what's being thrust upon farmers is exactly the same. It's lock step. So, you know, mm -hmm. much like four years ago, you know, now if you can't see what's happening in front of your eyes and then raise a quizzical eyebrow and think, hang on a minute, this doesn't seem right. Well, you, you might see eventually what is really going on here, but it is, of course, not, not really even about food. It's about control. It's about control. That's the main thing. about to say the same thing. You took literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to make a reference to another old quote to say, all roads lead to Rome. Well, all these stories that we're covering and all the pushback that we're doing is against roads that lead to control. You know, the farming clampdowns, they want to control the food. The freedom of speech, they want to control that as well. Our movements, they want to control it. Our education, they want to control it. Control, control, control. Oh, control. They ain't going to control me. I'll go and sit in a, on a rock somewhere or bang my head off a wall of maximum security before they control me. It ain't happening. Anyway, I'm saying that now, but when they come for me, go, okay, okay, I'm going to comply. I'm going to comply. It's easy to be a tough guy when you're on the radio, uh, but I'm joking, of course. <laughs>
Thank you so much for all the input here this morning. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. And we get to do it all again tomorrow. Fingers and toes crossed. So that's Gemma Cooper. She's got a few more sessions to go before the end of the day. So keep tuning in for more from Gemma. I'll be back after the break with Raja Mia for the first time on uh, TNT on Locked and Loaded anyway. So please don't go away. There's more to come here. Uh, We'll be right back after this short break. TNT's Tyler Nixon. Robert F. Kennedy running... um He's, uh, I went and had a chance to see him speak in uh, Philadelphia when he announced his independence from the Democrat crime syndicate. And I honestly had hoped that he would be able to be a force within that party to reform it, to bring sanity back to it, uh, if it ever had it, and to uh, maybe begin to purge the elements of criminality and fraud and deceit and destruction and uh, treason uh, out of that out of that crime syndicate of a party. but. Clearly, the institutional forces that have arrayed against uh, anyone who would challenge this uh, this deep state uh, slash criminal syndicate that has taken over our government. Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk TNT. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, it's uh, TNT, Locked and Loaded. I'm Rick Munn, and I'm very happy to be joined for the first time here on Locked and Loaded by none other than Raja Mia. A little background on Raja. He uh, was raised in Oldham. Uh, He is an internationally recognized as an expert in his field. He works with uh, marginalized groups in the society. He's over 25 years of experience on the front lines. Uh, He's used his insights to inform and shape government policy. And during his career, he's worked directly uh, with world leaders, including multiple UK prime ministers and secretaries of state. And this morning, he's here talking to me today. So uh, welcome, Raja, and uh, I hope you're well. Good morning, Rick. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. I want to just direct people your way. Uh, You have a website uh, called redwallandtherabble.co.uk, and also uh, you're on the X or Twitter platform at recusant. R-E-C-U-S-A-N-T underscore Raja. And there's a definition of recusant uh, in your uh, website, which I uh, put a smile on my face late last night. Not a word I was familiar with, but it means someone who doesn't bow down or succumb to corrupt authority. So I think uh, recusant is almost like a badge of honor to have these days. It's not a derogatory term, is it? No, no, I, I, I came across the word when I was studying history to do with the Catholics who refused to give up their faith during medieval England and, and suffered the consequences irrespective. So that's where the history of the word comes from. And it struck a chord with me. So I've used it ever since. 
Good man, good man. Well, I want to talk a little bit this morning about uh, you're standing uh, as an independent, uh, you're with the People's Alliance of Oldham, you're a prospective uh, parliamentary candidate for Oldham West and Royton. Uh, Standing as an independent, it's tough, I would imagine. Uh, Just I want to get your your experience on this. Uh, Obviously, people vote uh, traditionally. Labour or uh, Tory, they're the two main parties. In America, Republican, Democrat, it seems to be the same the world over. There's this two-party thing, you know, There's this party's in opposition, this party's not. We both know that they're basically two wings of the same bird. There's nothing really differentiating the Tories and the Labour Party at the minute. How tough is it to actually eke out uh, a niche as an independent candidate in British politics these days? In British politics, very, very tough. Where we're standing, where I'm standing in my hometown, this is my hometown, Rick. That's the first thing you need to understand. People know me here. I have served the people in this town for a very, very long time, come and gone, raised children, all of that. And what we have here that's different is we have a campaign to anchor our our work on. And that campaign, of course, is the cover-up of the grooming and gang rape of children. We've over the last five years, educated a town for. So we've not just come along at the time of an election, we've educated a town. We've taken out successive Labour Party leaders, three successive Labour Party leaders in the council elections. And if the mainstream politicians, uh, the man I'm up against is Jim McMahon, Keir Starmer's shadow minister. If he wasn't worried, him and his team wouldn't have tried to keep me off the ballot box, off the ballot paper. And we'll, 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 we'll give him a, We'll give him a run for his money. We're confident we can compete. We will compete. Uh, we're we're not just we know I know what I'm doing with this, Rick. I've you know it's something I've done for 20 years and I understand politics, I understand political campaigning, I've seen it around the world, and I know what I need to do in my hometown. Now, what we've the challenge we've got, the challenge isn't standing as an independent candidate, the challenge is having people believe again that we can make a difference because as you pointed out. The Labour Party and the Conservatives are very, very similar on their issues. You know, two sides of the same butt cheeks, you know, I think is what the phrase you used. Yes. And uh, and what people are is disenfranchised, disillusioned, and more and more people are turning off and turning their backs on politics, turning their backs on our very democracy, Rick. And that's not healthy. That just isn't healthy. Here's the thing. Uh, there, there's huge despondency at the minute, uh, Raja. I know that among the electorate. Okay, so some people just never voted, never believed in voting. That's their choice. That's their opinion. But the bottom line is politics and, you know, parties and candidates and government is something that's here to stay for the foreseeable future. So somebody has to fill those roles. And I think despite the fact that there's a lack of faith in the mainstream parties at the minute, there's this also this despondency, well, what can Raja do that'll make a difference? What can he do that's going to be any different than the Labour Party? Is he just all talk? Is he just somebody that's promising his heaven and then he's going to deliver hell if he ever gets elected? Now, I know you said there uh, you've been working uh, in your area for decades. You've been uh, labouring for the people of Oldham. So there must be some kind of, uh, how would you say, credentials that you have simply because you've been walking the walk out there. But can you get that to translate into people actually going and voting for you whenever it counts? I think so. I think so. We've got a, we've got a, we've got a team. There's not just me. There's hundreds of us. I mean, you talked, uh, you made reference to the webpage, Redwall and the Rabble. So Redwall is very much what this town is. It's a Redwall town. It's a Labour Party town, historically known as Redwall towns. 
And they've made reference to us. This is the Labour Party. have made reference to the decent people of this town as rabble. And we're rabble because we wouldn't shut up. We held them to account. We'd attend council meetings. We'd submit questions to uh, using freedom of information requests. And we've mobilised an entire town. Right? What we've done here is mobilised an entire town. We've taken the town from Labour Party control at 47 of the 60 seats down to 32 seats. And we'll this main in just under two months time we'll take the council into no overall control people can make a difference and what we're doing is making enough noise where as a consequence of what we're saying as an independent as outsiders we're changing the narrative and changing the conversations that people are having inside the corridors where decisions are made now they fear us what we've got to understand and realize and and re-establish is that we're the ones in charge here not them. We're the ones in charge here. And we just have to understand the right levers and pull them in the right way at the right time. And we will change society. I mean, I'm a Northern lad, mate, you know, and uh, Rick, and uh, the history of the North is, you know, it's the suffragettes, it's the Chartists, the very foundation of the democracy we enjoy was fought for. And people sacrificed their lives from the towns and cities where I was raised. This is in our DNA. And we'll make the difference now. You'll see in May. And the subsequent general election will change the narrative. And we're very, very clear in a town such as mine. What's going on here is identical to towns and cities across the country with similar demographics, similar challenges between communities, the similar way in which one community is played off against another. And we've got to find a way through this, because at the end of the day, we've all got to find a way we can live next to each other and support each other. And if that's not where we want to end up, then I worry where our nation's going. Yeah, if something isn't done and something isn't done to address those issues, uh, the outlook is certainly grim. However, we do hold on to a little bit of hope and optimism because if you don't have that and your head goes down, you're going to be in a very bad position altogether, either as a prospective candidate or just as a as a resident. Just as a human being. Just as a just human as a being. Human, yeah, just yeah, as yeah. a human being is absolutely right. We've got to take a real brief uh, headline break. When we come back at the other side, let's look at potential timelines uh, for elections this year and also, uh, you know, the the, the liabilities that some local councils are in the UK at the minute with bankruptcies uh, coming in hand over fist. And of course, then it's the people that live in those areas are having to pick up the tab through possible increased council taxes as well. Maybe give us a little bit of an overview on what it's like in Oldham, in your neck of the weeds, in your manner in particular. So we'll do that when we come back in just uh, a minute on TNT with Rajat Mia. Don't go away. TNT Radio News. Hi, everybody. So many crazy news stories going on right now. Now, the news. Go. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Julian Assange's extradition hearing wrapped up in London on Wednesday, but the judges in the case are yet to make their decision, with a ruling not expected until at least mid-March. Leading US presidential candidate Donald Trump has once again voiced his opposition to sending more aid to Ukraine. And China has hit out at G20 leaders for using the forum to amplify geopolitical disagreements instead of discussing matters of global economic cooperation. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I'm talking with uh, Raja Mia here this morning. Raja, we're referencing um, councils, uh, Birmingham City Council, one in particular that I've been looking at uh, over the last few months. They're up to their eye, neck and neck, 
debt bankruptcies, uh, 300 million pound uh, overspend. There's 750 million quid that they're setting aside for compensation claims to do with unequal pay, 80 million pound overspend on an IT system. Package that all together. And you've got over a billion quid of liability from Birmingham City Council alone. How can one one city council in the UK be allowed to run rampant with that amount of uh, incompetence. I shudder to think what it's like if you add all the city councils up. Uh, what, what are your views on that? How did it get that far? And what's it like for you in Oldham? Mismanagement, financial mismanagement is as plain and simple as that. It's the it's a belief that it's not your money and someone else will continue to pay and put one set of poor decisions after another. To give you some context, in my town, Oldham, during COVID, during the global pandemic, the leader of the council went and bought the shopping centre. He went and bought the shopping centre for over, I think it was a £9 million plus fees. And then he realised that he didn't even own the leases inside the, inside the shopping centre. So he had to spend more money on that. Remember, all the shops were closed, took on all the liabilities, and now he wants to move in during a time of austerity, during a time when we've all got you know issues at home, record council tax rises year after year. The council's in massive debt. It's burned through its reserves. Even its own auditors have red flagged it for saying, you know, you're running out of money, you're taking on more liabilities, you're taking on more debt. And the most recent thing was uh, they've decided to close down the theatre, a historical theatre, 130 odd years old. It needed £500,000 spending on it. Instead, they've committed to spending the best part of £20 million on a performance space that isn't even fit for purpose for what we want. In a town such as mine, it's one bad decision after another, one failed flagship scheme after another. And we've been campaigning as part of our campaign, we've been campaigning for the government auditors to come in because if the gov government auditors would come in, we are certain they would find issues of serious concern and I don't think it's just all them. I think it's across the board. And unfortunately, it tends to be, a correlation tends to be Labour Party-controlled towns and Labour Party-controlled cities. Sadly. It, you know, I'm, it, I'm a it, former Labour Party man, and the older I've got, the more uh, disillusioned I've got with them. Here's the thing, too. You talk about uh, financial mismanagement and incompetence. That's obviously happening at the council level. But the people that are picking up the tab for that incompetence and that mismanagement are the people that live uh, in the, the councils and the boroughs that these people are running. So for example, in Birmingham, I think their council tax went up by about 20 odd percent uh, yes. last year to cover up for some of the shortfalls. That's not a small increase, uh, Raji. You know, I don't know what it's like in your area, but uh, in Northern Ireland, uh, we're, we're, we pay what are called rates. It's not technically called council tax, but that's based on the size of the property and the postcode that you're in. So, you know, technically speaking, the bigger the house, the more affluent the area, it's a higher price that you'll have to pay, for example, rather than a, sitting in a one bedroom flat in a not so good area, you'll still have to pay, but less. Is it done proportionately like that uh, in the, Oldham? The houses are banded. Yeah, the, the mm -hmm. properties are banded. So the historical values of a property, so it was band A all the way up to band D, band D. Mm -hmm. The majority of them in a town such as mine are band B, band C, but you're still talking 2,000 to 3,000 pounds a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in rates, you're talking, you know, most, most people would pay between 2,000 and 3,000 pounds a year in rates in a, in a traditional working class town. That's a lot of money. You know, 250, 300 pounds a month is a, mm -hmm. is, a, is a lot of money. But in a town such as mine, the... A viewpoint widely held 
by the majority of the public, regardless of what the political persuasion is, is that the council is not fit for purpose in how it manages our money and where it decides to spend our money. So, for instance, the the budget for is next Wednesday. The budget to to agree the council tax rises is next Wednesday in Oldham. Five percent is what the count is the Labour Party uh, want to increase it by four point nine nine percent. That's the maximum they can increase it by without going through a whole host of other uh, jumping through a whole host of other uh, hurdles. Now, what the opposition have done is put forward a viable, and these this is both the Liberal Democrat and the Conservative opposition put forward viable alternative budgets, and they included. Things such as there's a communications team in our town spends the best part of a million pounds sending out newsletters promoting the local party. Nonsense. Best part of a million pounds. They wanted to cut that. The Labour Party refused. They wanted to freeze executive pay. Rick. Executive pay in my town is those who are on a salary of £100,000. Disproportionate number of them. They wanted to freeze that. The, the, the Labour Party disagreed enforced through changes were what we will see is frontline services cut so the services we receive as members of the public will be cut the middle managers and the higher man you know and the executives will be left alone it's completely wrong uh, and of course as usual the richer seem to be getting poor uh, richer and the poor are getting poor through all this but interesting figures are uh, i was looking for an example and you gave me it of what the average household may pay and for example Oldham. so you're talking between two and three grand so although even if they don't impose birmingham style levies of 20 and eye watering 20 percent five percent of two grand is still a lot of money especially when you're struggling to make ends meet at the minute and you know literally every penny does count if you're if your your budget is stretched to the limit every month yeah and it's gone up five percent every year so it's you know it's gone up pretty much the maximum every year for uh, for as long as i can remember and they blame the government as always they blame the government but these are people who are making decisions at a local level and and the town's in a complete mess i mean who goes out and buys a shopping center you're a council you you know you you empty the rubbish, you make sure the streets are clean. There are things that a council does. Running a shopping centre is not something that a council does, especially when it can't do the bread and butter well and hasn't done it well for a long time. So it's one vanity scheme after another in a, in a town such as mine. Uh, they, they've spent hundreds of millions. They've blown hundreds of millions. They've gone through our reserves. And our town is on the verge of bankruptcy, the same as, you know, it made a list. I think the Daily Mirror published it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it made a list of, of top 10 towns on, on the verge of bankruptcy and all Oldham was there. And it's because it's because of financial mismanagement by successive Labour Party leaders and council officers who who are dabbling at this. Their area of expertise isn't banking, isn't finance. They're just it's not their money. It's like it's I know I have a nine year old like daughter. Yeah. It's like Monopoly. Yeah, it's monopoly. Isn't it? it's yeah, almost like monopoly a Monopoly game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll buy yeah. I'll buy Regent Street and I'm gonna stick four greenhouses and a big red hotel on it. That's what yeah. you're counselor. Yeah. I, I think I'll buy that shopping center. Uh, uh but but there's a scandemic on and, and and there's no leases there and there's no money. Uh we'll, we'll we'll sell it, maybe take a loss on it. You know, we can do do the round and collect yeah. two hundred quid when we pass yeah. go again. That's a problem, my friend. These guys are trading life on people's lives like it's a monopoly game with monopoly money, you know, the five hundred pound notes. Yeah, that's you know, exactly you what they're doing. 
that's exactly what they're doing. It's not monopoly. If you're listening in this morning, this is real life. These are real people's money, and this is not a fantasy budget that they're running. This affects people's lives. Raj, we could talk all day and night about this one. I think we're just getting warmed up, but unfortunately, uh, we're up to time in this one. A massive thanks uh, to you for coming on this morning. And again, just to direct people your way, uh, follow him on Twitter at Recusant, R-E-C-U-S-A-N-T underscore Raja. Check out his website website redwallandtherabble.co.uk and you'll find how you can support him there and find out more about the great work that he does that we haven't even got talking about here this morning so Raja uh, whatever you're going to do right now uh, have a cup of tea uh, regain your composure after being on air with me and I hope you have an absolutely uh, fantastic day okay and hopefully I'll see you again sooner rather than it was a pleasure thank you for having me you're welcome. So that's Raja Mia. Uh, hopefully he will become a, a feature on uh, Locked and Loaded. Over the course of 2024, we shall see. I'll be right back after these ads with Ben Pal. So please don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT, today's news talk. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. We just have got a great example. It's on CFACT. If you Google CFACT, you'll see it. A blog that says climate alarmists like Senator Whitehouse are fueling anxiety in young people. Now, Sheldon Whitehouse is basically a carpetbagger. He's up in Rhode Island. He came from North Carolina. He knows absolutely zero about the history of New England hurricanes. If he does know something about it, then all his posturing about how bad hurricanes are getting in New England have to be complete lies. You know why? We've just gone through the longest stretch of time in the last 150 years of no hurricane hits in New England. It's a record drought of hurricane hits on the New England coast. But you got this guy up there and he's a Rhode Island senator and he realizes that's about the only place he can get elected senator, maybe in Connecticut, but they have established Democrats there. And he just spouts off and says stuff that has nothing to do with reality. And I would love to debate this guy. It would be like having someone I'd love to wrestle, just mop the floor with him. But listen to this, this came from Bloomberg Green. In the most critical cases, climate anxiety disrupts the ability to function day to day. Children and young people in this category feeling alienation from friends and family, distress when thinking about the future, and intrusive thoughts about those who will survive, according to this guy's research, Hickman. Patients who obsessively check for extreme weather, read climate change studies, and pursue radical activism, well, they seem to be in the norm. Some devastatingly consider suicide as the only solution. Now, who is responsible for that? Who's responsible for that? Certainly not the climate, certainly not the weather. We have four times the amount of people on the planet than we did in 1930 with 128 the climate deaths. It's people like Sheldon Whitehouse. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished. Everyone deserves to live a full life. And with your help, together we can end hunger. Join the movement at feedingamerica.org slash act now. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. 
TNT. Ah, yes, yes, yes. What an action-packed uh, couple of hours it's been, but it's not over yet. Uh, I'm about to welcome or usher in uh, my next guest, an old uh, favourite of mine, uh, one of the stalwarts of Locked and Loaded, none other than Mr. Ben Pyle. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm all good, thanks, Rick. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, you know, you were groaning and moaning a little bit before you came on about your hair. Was You need a haircut. I think you look I think you look good. I like to compliment people on their appearance. I think you look good. If you think Ben looks good, leave it's, a message in the live it's chat. Glued and in place. <laughs> Otherwise, it will be. I, I still got lockdown hair. <laughs> lockdown hair. But listen, uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, my previous guest, actually, if I can follow on some of the things that he was talking about, he's based in Oldham. Uh, well, we're talking about, generally speaking, um, and I know this is a little bit off tangent for you, but we're talking about a lot of council bankruptcies that are happening at the minute. So Birmingham's in a right old state. They, their liabilities are about a billion, including uh, $750 million for an uh, unequal pay claim that's outstanding, $80 million overspend on an IT system, £300 uh, budget deficits, just a real complete and utter mess. And off the back of that, they're increasing their uh, council taxes by 20 odd percent, which is insane. Uh, Raja was saying in his neck of the weeds, council tax increases have been 5% year on year on year on year, labor led uh, area. Uh, my rates are going up as well. Everything's going up. Uh, what about your neck of the weeds? Uh, you know, we're paying a lot out, Ben, but we're not getting a lot back in return apart from maybe getting your bins emptied, maybe seeing the old road sweeper doing the rounds once in a while. The pothole problems around here are horrific. There's not actually anything else to show for my council tax. What about you? Yeah, I was just going up 4.9999999%, right? You know, just the the smallest possible beneath the statutory maximum. So, uh, yeah, they're all doing it. And I'll tell you what they're not cutting back on, and that's their net zero the, uh, oh. uh, agendas, right? They're, 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 all, they're all in the red. They're all needing to pull more and more and more money from us, uh, and yet the the ideologically protected policies are not going to be dissolved in the way that that some services are. And it's and it and, and as Roger was saying, and as other was saying, it's very simple. Your jobs are really simple: keep the roads clean and make sure the drains are emptied, mm. and 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 keep the schools going and the libraries functioning, and and that order of thing. But but to somehow. They have got this idea that they are about more than such petty things mm. as as managing uh, the 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 you know the the the, the uh, amenities as it were of the and, and the necessities of of local public life. Um, and I mean, you say it's not not my bag, but actually, I I really think this is where it's at. This is the this is what mm. I think the net zero agenda is really about. And and uh, it, it's moved into the local the local government. Uh, arena and all, all the billionaires that i've probably go on about far too much who fund all these fake civil society organizations mm. they also go go on too much they've made local government really the focus of their campaigning because in 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 reality uh the the climate agenda has failed on the global stage and it's failed on the national stage and um it, it, the, the the reason they're so attracted to local government is because turnouts are catastrophically low for local governments i mean and even at nationally they're very disappoint the disappointing mm. um and as i've put it pointed out quite a lot every election since blair 
more people haven't voted, and that includes Blair's uh, Blair's term as well. Uh, uh, more people don't vote than vote for the winning party. That's that's an indictment of contemporary politics and and oh. the political parties, and and at local levels, it's it, it's it's tragic. In some places, less than the teens, you know, like 12, 11, 12 percent of people turn out to vote. Never mind to vote for the winning party. So what Raja is saying, and what I really got for that. It would not take very much to start to topple the the dominance mm -hmm. of the local the, of the of the of the national parties um, at, at the local level. And once once we people start doing that, once people realise that the local government is theirs for the taking, it can genuinely reflect local mm -hmm. uh, people's concerns. We can start to push out the blob from from where it really really counts and we can sort of say well, no we want the bins to be collected we want we want these services to be to rerun efficiently we don't want you to all these all these uh, local councils are now setting themselves up as energy energy companies and they're spending um m many of them have gone bankrupt in fact because or, or about to because they've invested in green energy and i put i should put air uh, invested oh. in there as well um because uh, in, in cities like bristol where the local authority tried to set up an energy company it just it just was a disaster and i think there's yeah. a couple of other places as well so they so they've got they've got they've got no visible means of support essentially from the local level they just sort of assume these powers and they assume the the, the legitimacy of their policy agendas you know and if you if you try and say to them i i'm not i'm not um convinced by the the climate agenda i'm not convinced by climate science or or or, or these policies are are um are going to be effective they'd sooner spit at you than than have that discussion that it's it's totally in, in you know embedded in their in their mindsets and their in their worldview so um i really think there's an opportunity here to as people like raja are, are, are sort of making the most of to really start to change mm -hmm. that and people have got to get over that sort of uh cynicism of democracy mm -hmm. it's there it's in 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 it's perfectly legitimate for you to just go and take it, um, for in you know with with the consent of everyone. Everyone's got to get involved. So non-violently, so non exactly. Yes, it's it's. I mean, so yeah. I, mean, I make it sound like I'm. You're taking it. no. It is set up such that yeah. ordinary people can put themselves forward for nomination, and go and then therefore take power. Through this legitimate means, we don't have to wait for the political parties, these these old dinosaurs, mm. to to wake up and have the and, and realize the mistakes they've made because they're not going to because they're you know a lot of them are just people who are on their way to to who think they're on their way to Westminster. They're all just mm. sort of careerist type people. Um, it needs people to rediscover this spirit spirit of self government essentially. To that 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 it's our government. It's not theirs. It's you know that yeah. when you watch the telly and they're talking about elections, they oh Labour have taken so many votes mm -hmm. from from the Tories. No, no, that was people making decisions. No one's, no one's. These aren't Keeping people. Anything. These aren't a party's votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh. Well, here here's something else. Here's something else to throw into the mix. Uh, I was talking with a few guests this morning. So I was talking with Lembadobic about this, was talking to Gemma about this, was even talking to uh, Raja about this one as well. You know, we're we're in a war here at the minute. Let's be honest with uh, with ourselves here. It's not a, a battle we're fighting. We're fighting a series of battles that make up a war. And sometimes you win a battle. 
Sometimes you lose a battle, but the war is still there for the taking, very much in my opinion. Now, uh, one of the things that you focus on, obviously, uh, with uh, the website uh, Climate Debate, and obviously your Substack writings as well, you write very heavily about this, this whole business around climate, uh, something you highlighted. And, you know, I'm sure you get moments where you feel a little bit despondent. You're thinking, you know, am I making any difference? I'm actually... You know, I'm a, I'm a denting anything here. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a making any headway. You do. We all question ourselves: Is this futile? Are we ever going to make? You know, are we ever going to topple this over? There was a, a suppose a bit of evidence that would support the fact that we are. Uh, that was uh, highlighted um, in a, a tweet that you reposted by John Hoppenthal. Uh, it said, "Keep on swinging the axe of truth, guys. This tree will fall." And it, it was a monitoring of the amount of climate skeptic tweets or X's or excrements that have been put up on the X platform uh, over the last few years. And way back in 2014, it was almost zero. Uh, there was a little blip in 2016 and 2018. There was a big spike in 2020, but it's went absolutely off the scale between 2022 and 2024, hitting around about uh, a quarter of a million. I'm not sure if that's uh, daily or weekly or whatever it happens to be, but it's a humongous increase in anti-climate skeptic tweets has that not been a direct reaction to the amount of extra climate change propaganda that we've been uh suffering we've reacted in accordance to that yeah i think so and i think people have got the understanding now that there was so many parallels between all the different ideological forces the dominant that they're, they're dominant without without anyone agreeing with them right it's just the 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 the, the ideologies that are dominant within the, the corridors of power if you like the wokeness the racial grievance stuff the the gender stuff the the and the climate stuff and so people people are forming a more abstract view of things and so more people are joining in on the climate debate that used to be involved in in the other debates in the covid debate and, and just freedom in general people have started to have this sort of much more concrete understanding of of um of freedom on the attacks on it and 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 want the representation uh in politics of, of their own views as as we've discussed but the but the uh the, the reason i reposted that is because actually it's it was produced by a bunch of academics well they call themselves academics i i think that they would be happier in the stasi quite frankly mm. um because they monitor these they 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 they, they use um social media to monitor the the discussions that people like us are having um and they don't but they don't sort of they don't get themselves dirty they don't come in defend their own ideological stances and what they so they're terrified of of um exactly what we're talking about they're terrified of people like us making a difference in politics and so the point of their monitoring youtube and developing algorithms to to determine what you know what we're talking about and and how many people are following us and and so on and so forth is to try and intervene is to find in ways to intervene to 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 stop those conversations happening and where they are happening to stop them proliferating so mm -hmm. there's a number of these outfits some of them are academics some of them are sort of fake civil society organizations they're they're ngos uh, and they they want they want to sort of uh Yes, stop stop this free exchange of ideas. Stop this form of criticism. Um, and they do it. They 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 they're extremely well funded from the usual suspects, the you know the eco billionaires and the philanthropic foundations. They also get money from central government. Um, so the so the reason that they kind of following that the, they used to follow, they used to sort of try and analyze 
jihadi movements, far right mm -hmm. movements and jihadi movements, you know, actual Nazis, not not you know, pretend far mm -hmm. right movements, but but also Islamofascist movements online. They used to track them and they used to sort of feed this into to 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 you know government agencies and what have you. But then they decided that people who don't want a wind farm looming over their house were exactly the same kind of problem as online jihadism. Is, you know, so they've they've made an enemy of people who want to discuss the, the 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 how much confidence we can have in the thermometer record of climate change and so on. Um, these are bad people now. You know, the, we're we're, we're um, we need to be challenged. We you know because we we might we might be um, you know if we've got the wrong ideas, we might the world might be might be destroyed by climate yeah. change. Civilization might end. So they make themselves very important through these these kind of kind of claims and then they sell their services to government and they get a lot of money for it they get millions and millions and millions of pounds all these dodgy little outfits um to to essentially to spy on people um and to to monitor and sort of record the trends that they believe are developing but they're but they they haven't got much between the ears so they don't they don't like kind of it would be fine for them to monitor it as as such if they were actually forming an idea about what we were saying um and then we're saying well you think this here's our response we think you're wrong because of this that they're, then they're, they're unable to engage it's it's that they take the rightfulness of what they're doing for granted um and then they they take the rightfulness of the policies that are going to be you know the the online harm stuff that's going to be used to close down social media uh, uh, uh accounts and 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 freedom free free discussion on the internet they um they take that that for granted but that's what they're working towards they're working towards censorship they're not working towards debate and dialogue they're not trying to understand why people object to the ideas that's sort of almost god-given um and so you know they're they're, they're essentially I think it's fascinating that they're they're coming out of it's coming out of academia because it's as if academia has turned 180 degrees mm -hmm. from you know from the place where ideas were contested and mm -hmm. formed and a, you know an understanding of how the world works was developed into just defending orthodoxy into defending power um well, and, and academia academia is turning towards whoever's funding it most substantially, yeah. I think, would be a first statement to make as well, Ben, because, you know, when you look at the rise of NGOs uh, in Ireland, particularly the amount of NGOs that are springing up around, you know, refugees and, uh, you know, uh, asylum seekers is unbelievable. Uh, homeless NGOs that are springing up, despite the fact that there's 12, at least 12,000 Irish people uh, on homeless waiting lists anyway, despite all the uh, money that's being thrown into NGOs, they don't seem to be making any difference at all. Uh, one thing I want to do, because we're, we're nearly up the time in this one already uh, and we're just getting uh, warmed up here uh, No, nothing to do with global warming by the way just Ben and I interacting in the studio as well but in case I don't get doing it uh, all the writings that you do, and there was one in, in particular, and I want to reference it in real quick to that uh, spike in anti-climate change uh, rhetoric that's coming out there. You know, there's a couple of articles that you put up on your Substack at benpile.substack.com uh, to do with Blur's climate legacy. So going back as far as 2020, 2003, uh, 21 years ago, the then Labour government produced a white paper on green energy. So be under no illusion, they've been working on this uh, for quite some time at the minute. It's it's just really reaching a crescendo right now. And I think the kickback uh, is in relation to that as well. But this has been going on.
going on uh, for a very, very uh, long time. In fact, way beyond even 2003, but I'm saying it really crystallized at that point in time. And if you want to find out more about the mechanics of this, please check out uh, Ben's Substack page at Ben Pyle, P-I-L-E. And also, uh, just to direct people your way as well, if you don't follow him uh, on social media, check him out on the X platform or the Twitter platform at Climate, C-L-I-M-8, Resistance, and check out his website, climatedebate.co.uk. And the music's playing. The rock is in my earphones. That means it's time for Rick Munn to get the hell off her as well. I'm not just kicking you off, but I have to jump off with you. Uh, so uh, you and I'll stay in touch, no doubt about it, Ben. And massive thanks to you, of course, as always, for taking time out of your day to come on here and speak so frankly and openly about the issues that count and to tell the truth. We mandate that the truth be told here exclusively on TNT, today's news talk. Thank you.